If you like Canada, superheroes, and podcasts that make you want to reach right through the internet and throttle the host because they just keep getting everything wrong, you might be in the right place. It's Alpha Podflight, the podcast where I, Gareth A. Hopkins, am joined every episode by a guest to talk about a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. This time I'm joined by Tim. Tim, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Certainly. Thanks, Gareth. Uh, this is Tim Price. Um, I'm here in America, so I'm very far away from Gareth, which is probably the best thing for him. Um, but I've been a reader of comic books for a long time, and I've enjoyed um, many Alpha Flight uh, quite a while. Um, and you might have see, heard me and seen me um, on other podcast message boards and comment boards and Basically, some people who are foolish enough to read my feedback on the air, well, then you've paid the price for that because I write a novel now and then just in the <laughs> feedback section. Um, other than that, I'm just another fan who collects comics and is a computer programmer by day, so I've got to pay for my habit somehow. Yeah, and it's an expensive habit, um, which I share. Um, so <laughs> how did you get into Alpha Flight? Uh, I, back in the day, and gosh, I was uh, old enough to do it at the time. Um, I was um, I bought Alpha Flight starting with volume number one. Um, I was buying all you know two kinds of comic books, either Spider Man or Team Books, because Team Books are great for getting you all the heroes you want. You get a lot of heroes, and I love that. So buying lots of team books, and I actually saw Alpha Flight for the first time in that full-page ad for their volume one. I hadn't even seen them in the X-Men appearances before then. I, had, I wasn't collecting as much back then. Um, so my first Alpha Flight comic was number two uh, from volume one. Yep. And thanks to the joy of spinner racks and magazine stands and that distribution, um, I really didn't get many – I was able to just get issues periodically. I wasn't able to get it very um, quite successively. Um, until like the after issue twelve, once with issue twelve, I was finally able to get like on the regular basis with it, um, and then I was from other places. I was finally able to fill in the back issues and have the whole run up through issue fifty. About then, I kind of dropped 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 away from Alpha Flight. Yeah, um, but bought other runs here and there, um, and so I haven't read the later volumes. Although, and this may not be a good thing, I did pick up the Omega Flight miniseries that came out after Civil War. I've not read um, that. Because I liked... War- oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah I've, I've heard uh, good things well, about it. Well, I liked... Mm-hmm. I liked Force Works. Yes, I'm not apologizing for it. And <laughs> with a couple of the characters that I enjoyed from that in the book, uh, and Beta Ray Bill, can't go wrong with Beta Ray Bill, and Talisman, there, that's always a good win there. Um, I did enjoy that series. But I haven't read any of the other more recent Alpha Flight series, and it's definitely not the one from the comic we're going to talk about today. Okay. Okay. So, uh, that which is, uh, I mean, yeah, you're very good at this. So, that brings us around to the comic that we're going to read today, which is Alpha Flight number four. I can't, it doesn't say what volume it's from, but it's from 2004. It is, as I said, it's mm-hmm. issue number four. It's called, got to be kidding me, four of six so the first six issues of this run are one storyline called you gotta be kidding me it was written by scott lobdell pencils by clayton henry inks by mark morales colors by avalon letters by richard starkings and comicraft assistant edits by Corey 
sorry, the, the writing is getting very small as we go down this list. Assisted, edited by Corey uh, Sedlmeyer and Stephanie Moore. Edits by Mark Martz, chiefed by Joey DeCue and um, published by Dan Buckley. <laughs> Um, so good job you... on the Settlemeyer. That was a tough one. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to make it, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, if you could take us, we'll go through the comic itself, and then we'll talk about what we like and didn't like about it. So yeah, go for it. Now that sounds good. All right. Well, the cover um, is a pretty good image of the team, our, the heroes in our book here, and they're basically standing in an, in an M.C. Escher-style building, and where they're all at different angles, and there's no perspective that's the same between any of the two of them. Although Sasquatch looks a little bit big, too. And, uh, yeah. is, is this not an issue of giant size Sasquatch? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, yeah. But that's an interesting cover. Yeah, it's... Okay. It's okay. It's got that look. So I mean, yeah. So the the look at mm-hmm. the, I wasn't aware of the the penciler uh, Clayton Henry, but he's he draws in what I'm going to call the big hand look. Uh, ah yes yes. Um, and it's it's from the time um, where sort of you've got thin midriffs and then really big arms and feet. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I was I was going to say the this was very much kind of the house style for Marvel this period as well. Yeah. Um, you'd see things like, um, what a style that it remind me of. Um, oh, it remind me of Scott Collins, his style, especially from um, when he previously had worked on the Flash in DC. Okay. Um, but also you have like um, Umberto Ramos, his style is very much kind of like that. His his famous impulse and the big feet. Um, yeah, they were getting a. They had a few artists that were doing the same kind of style at the time. Yes, I mean, I think uh, I can't remember the name of the artist. I would have seen something like this just as I stopped reading comics with X Force. They had a similar style there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, okay, sorry, I've Excellent. massively distracted from you actually saying what happens in the comic. So <laughs> you carry on. <laughs> Well, that's fine, because a whole, a whole lot doesn't happen in this comic, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, it jumps right into a very tongue-in-cheek previously page, uh, which doesn't really say anything that happened in the previous three issues. Uh, it shows the covers of them, but doesn't really tell, tell you what happened. Yeah. Um, then it's like it's really written to be part of a, the trade. You know, like you're supposed to read all six issues together. They were really just starting to get into the whole packaging things, things up in trades back then, so yeah. it felt a whole lot more like that, and they're just having fun with it. They're making fun of the whole thing about having to do a previously issue. Um, so that was kind of, that they're already off to the, that this is not going to be a very serious book. Um, so anyway, what holds on the book, the quick story is that there's an Escher painting on the cover, the team breaks up into pairs, each of them run into minor obstacles, and on the last page, they're back in an MC Escher painting, just like on the cover. <laughs> yes. And yes. it's the last page. Uh, that's, yeah. that's that's basically the story. I'll, I got more. I got more, but that's basically the story. That is the story. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. yeah, yeah. So the the bigger story is that you get to the synopsis, and they we find out that the original members of Alpha Flight 
were investigating something with the Plodex, and they disappeared. Yep. So Sasquatch is the only one left and recruits a bunch of newbies to find and rescue the originals. So we get a flashback of our major Maple Leaf character as a kid where he's pretty blatantly abused by his father, the original major Maple Leaf. Yes, who was introduced, then we flash to the present. It was introduced back in 106 mm-hmm. as the, the reason that North Star came out as gay. That's where we saw him previously to this, I think. Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah. Now, sadly, I have not read that issue of, of Alpha Flight. I need to go look that one up on uh, Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> That's the best place. I wouldn't That's spend, one of the ones I wouldn't I spend money on it if you didn't have to. Um. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Um, but so for that, we see um, a flash to the present with Major Maple Leaf riding his horse, Thunder, <laughs> yeah. with... Um, a not a not Conan character, who I who we never learn his name in this issue, no, which was I, very frustrating. I read the issue after this as well, and I still don't know what his name is. <laughs> and they wonder why they called it. You got to be kidding me! <laughs> so <laughs> you have a character you just do not know his name. All we know is that he looks a lot like a, a um, inspired by Conan sort of look. Um, very barbarian with loincloth, wraps around his hands and feet and a sword and long hair and tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure, why not? Um, we do get a mysterious flashback image with our, with our barbarian, but we don't get any details. And our pair land outside a shack. Yes. Then we switch to Calgary, <laughs> where, where our Puck, who is not the original Puck, but the daughter of the original Puck, Leave, leaving the little girl's room, and she's pretty much being crabby about the situation. She's not happy about anything that's, go, that's going on here. But then she hears a commotion because she's inside the mall at Calgary. And I'm, that's, I guess they were still going to malls back then. That's fine. Um, <laughs> and the commotion is a crowd who are at the video arcade, and they're watching Sasquatch playing Dance Dance Revolution or something like that. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, that's exactly Now she berates it? him. Exactly, she uh, she she gets on his case for not working on the mission that she that he recruited her for. He's playing a game when the floor under the game suddenly opens and they both drop in. Yeah. Now we switch abruptly to the top of the world. It's called I guess it's the North Polish, mm-hmm. where we have a very old gentleman uh, who goes by Princeton, flying carrying. Uh, sometimes Alpha Flight character Nemesis. Yes, and oh, one Princeton iteration. Is discussing superhero names. Yeah, so one iteration of it, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure which one it is. I think, as far as I remember from Rob on the podcast, there's three different Nemesises, and I don't know which one this is. Is that Nemesai? Nemesai? I'm not sure what it, I'm not sure what the plural is by that point. And this uh, is also not the nemesis who was on Suicide Squad in the DC comics, um, and it's not the one who killed Karate Kid. That was a that was Nemesis Kid. So it's yeah. And it's not Nemesis uh, in popular AD name either. Who's a uh, who's oh. an alien? So. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. So. And that's that's basically the gist of the, their flashback. So now the switch is between these three pairs of heroes gets even faster. Okay, so we have 
team one <laughs> are uh, um, Major and, and not Conan. They're in a cave or a complex or something, noting that the Plodex must have come through there because it's all torn up and there's um, scientific debris all over. And then, they, then we move to team two, Sasquatch and Puck, where they ride a water slide into some a gigantic cavern of orange jello. Yeah. And from the orange jello comes behind them uh, several orange bodybuilder types who look very hulkish but bald and orange. So yeah. I so guess that was copyright sort of going on there. Yeah. Couldn't use green? I don't know. It says that, that that pool is like a pool of like raw DNA that reacts to their presence in it. So I think these creatures are some sort of merge between Sasquatch and Mm-hmm. But we never see them again. That's true. So. That is what that said there. Yeah. Right. And I and I guess that might be for those of us who remember more about the Plodex and Marina's origin, where she absorbed the DNA of humans to have her humanoid form. I suppose this is a foreshadowing thing. Of course, the DNA, the, the pool was orange before they even landed in it, mm. which is kind of interesting because Plodex are traditionally green. But yeah. I'm not sure what that's, if, uh, if I'm reading too much into that or if that really is a thing we're supposed to be, if we're supposed to be making that connection. I but the most important part know. about that, yeah. about them showing up, yeah, um, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just <laughs> saying I don't know. But the most. Right. Well, the most important part about that there is um, the surprising. Uh, orange men is a chance for Puck to say A again. Hmm. Uh, that's the only only hint we get that she, that this is a Canadian book. Really, is uh, Puck saying A? Um, no, and what they all what they're also using it for is a really um, it's a really clumsy shorthand for yes, she's um, Puck's daughter because she ha- says A, and that's what he used to say. Oh yeah. It's a link- Not, oh, yeah, he did say that quite a bit. It's a linguistic link between the two, because otherwise there's nothing similar between them at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have, but, you know, I don't really think it'd be fair to her for her to be bald. No. <laughs> that would be pretty crazy. Uh, but, yes. Okay, so from that switch, we move to team three of uh, Nemesis and... Uh, Princeton, who's when they're like in an illusion of old Chicago from Princeton's memories. Yeah. Um, seeing people that he remembers from back in the day, and that's where we actually see his full name, Rutherford Princeton the Third. Um, we get a little bit more of his backstory cool. along the way, which is pretty cool. Sorry, he's also got a superhero name, which I you carry on talking, and I'm going to look it up because it's in the next issue, and I'm going to look it mm-hmm. up so we at least have his oh, superhero name. No, you carry on. I'll I'll come back to you in a second. Absolutely. No problem. And from there, um, Princeton's being sucked in, kind of being sucked into this illusion, but um, Nemesis uses some very subtle uh, reasoning to get out of it by basically slicing through a couple of the illusions and killing them. Yeah. But then the whole thing disappears, and obviously she didn't kill anybody. Um, And they're sitting on uh, what looks like a bridge to nowhere with a metallic arc over it. Um, and uh, Chicago is abruptly gone. Now we switch back to Team 1. Major Maple Leaf and 
our barbarian, are both fighting moloids, the mole man's henchmen. And uh, they're pretty overwhelmed. <laughs> they're, they're outnumbered pretty well, and they get captured. And they're basically mad at each other for getting captured and blame each other for it. They're brought in front of the mole man, who's like, how dare you come in here, you spies for the Fantastic Four? And they're like, no, we're not spies for Fantastic Four. And uh, in a great bit of dialogue, I love how um, Major Maple Leaf calls him Mr. Man. That's wonderful. <laughs> I, I, that should be done more often. <laughs> Mr. Man. And explains that they're searching for the Plodex. And Mr. Man says, the Plodex? Oh, all right, you can go. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's all the, That's all their interaction with Mole Man. It's like, well, okay, fine. <laughs> so now we go and we have a, pan, a, a page where we see one panel each of all three of the teams basically in the dark. There's no details whatsoever. They're uh, commiserating about how they got this far. And then they all appear in the final panel together. As I said at the beginning, coming into an M.C. Escher-style painting. Except this one is not of a modern building. This is based. Uh, this looks like much more of a um, rock-built ruin, dwelling. Yeah. But they're all coming at different perspectives. Yeah. Oh yes, ruins. That's that's much better word. <laughs> um, it's all with TV monitors and uh, vacuum hoses, and uh, it, it it could be a set of any sort of uh, cheap sci-fi show along the way. Yeah. And they all say in unison, "Oh, geez. That's, yeah. that's quite, which is the, which is quite very eloquent, very eloquent for that particular moment. <laughs> and that's the end of the issue. Yeah. You turn the page and you get the next, and you get the next page teaser, next per issue teaser. Um, it's kind of amusing in that it has uh, Sasquatch dressed as a referee, complete with whistle, standing between his new team and the original team. Yeah. And there's what looks like a, a Plodex child, might be a boy, might be a girl, I'm not sure, um, with the caption, have you seen this hoser to be continued? Yeah. Ah, another, another delightful Canadian reference right there. Yeah. <laughs> there is a character, on, so on the right-hand side of that panel, there, we've got Heather Sharman, <laughs> Guardian, yeah. Puck, and then some other guy, and I am trying to, for the life of me, to work out who he is. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I had no idea who this was. Um, I tried not to do too much research on the issue yeah. for the for this conversation. I want I wanted to have a chance for it to kind of be fresh and to see how, where things went, but. That just baffles me. Yeah, that the, there's nothing about him that rings a bell. He's got uh, obviously like a very short cropped mohawk, yeah. which they've colored blue, so that could be you know a, a dark black hair color thing, um, and red those sunglasses. red red glasses that almost could yeah that could almost be like um, Scott Summers uh, casual wear glasses yeah. Uh, but it's not it's definitely not him and i just it doesn't ring a bell at all um no, i've got nothing i no i i did read a few issues of the back in the day of the um, uh, pat broderick run in alpha flight as well and i do not remember him from that stretch either no so um, it's so it's it's not bringing a bell 
Yeah, I'm doing something which I very rarely do, and I'm trying to look up who it could be. There's uh, so I've found a <laughs> list of Alpha Flight characters, and there's lots of them who I don't recognise, including Evil Puck, um, Arachne, who I'm guessing is a spider thing. Oh. Um, U.S. Agent. Um. It's okay. Not US yeah, Agent, Arachne but... would be. Well, Arachne and U.S. Agent would have been in the Omega Flight series because okay. that was the um, that was the second Spider Woman. She took the name Arachne. Right. Um, oh, Jen, uh, Julia Carpenter. That was her name. That was her identity. Um, I was really getting mad at myself because I couldn't remember her name and uh, her, you know civilian name and I love this character so it that that was really bothering me um, but yeah both of them were in that and that would have been well after this yeah um, so neither so it, it's not it's not us it's definitely not us agent in this one no um, a Google search for blue mohawk alpha flight has brought up nothing useful <laughs> Google, you have failed us. Oh no. So um I'm what sure we, some what I'm we sure you, what what did we give you our personal information for? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody knows who he is. Um so please get in touch if you do. Um yes. I'll put yes. pic- uh, please post it to Twitter. Um <laughs> Yeah. Help us out. Okay, so we won't we won't worry about him because um, he's only a head in profile and he's not even in the next issue anyway, so that's fine. Um, uh, thus, thus pulling up again, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I mean, yeah, that's a pretty breezy go through the comic. Um, we'll start with what we liked about it. So, what did you like about it? Well, it was definitely very is is definitely a, a lighter tone. Is a they kept, they tried to make it a fun kind of book. Yeah. Um, and the artwork it's the artwork is is is, enjo- is you know is enjoyable. Um, it's not I don't love it. I don't love the artwork, but it's fun. You know, it's uh, it's not bad. It's it's it it's got some good facial expressions and things throughout it. Um, I also from the characters I liked. Um, of all of them, since I think we got to know him the best, I liked Princeton the best. Yeah. Um, we got to hear more about his backstory. Yeah. And he's just interesting in that he's, um, such an atypical sort of character. I mean, he could be in his sixties to his eighties, somewhere in there. So I've just Uh, looked it up. His name is Centennial. So I'm guessing he is around a hundred. Oh, yeah. Um, but he, that there's would, also yeah, that a reference. Be... There's a reference to him waking up as well. So I don't know if he has been alive for a hundred years or mm-hmm. if he's been in some sort of cryo sleep of some sort. Well, they Maybe. did say at one point that he was in a coma. That's it. That's it. Yeah. He said he had woken up from a coma. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was back in that was back in the Chicago flashback. I think that's the one. Oh no, um, no, that was when they were flying. That was when they were flying. <laughs> but regardless, yeah, that was the deal. He was in a coma. <laughs> yeah, coma. Wait for the superpowers. If, if only that happened to everybody. 
So, uh, and his powers, from what we can tell from this, is he can fly. We know that. Mm-hmm. And what else do we know? Nothing. We don't see anything else that he can do, other than have memories. And memories isn't really a superpower. No. Well, maybe that is. <laughs> it feels like one sometimes. <laughs> Um, right. Centennial does work better as a name because if he was down, he was around in Prohibition in the in the U.S. And yeah, that was, which was the the the, the 1910s, yeah, 1920s, and this was published in 2004. So if you and he was a policeman at the time of the Prohibition, so that 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 math works out pretty well there. But my goodness. Yeah, yeah, he's just fun. It's just fun to see a character. Just he's dressed like he's dressed like an old man at the time. You know, he's yes. got his purple sweater on and his collared shirt and just slacks and and you know he's got his gray hair and 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 unapologetically just dressed like like a person. He's just um, an old man. Yeah, I just find I just find it fun. Yeah, I just find that fun. I, I like I like seeing the atypical things and I mean of course it's all we, we want to see. You know, your superheroes should look like superheroes at times, but it's still nice to see a little mix-up of the body types and even the background and of the characters. That's a really um, good point, actually, about the body types, yeah, and about um, changing it up, because th- there is a good range of, of mm-hmm. physicalities in there. Um, and I agree on the art mm-hmm. as well. I yep. I came into this comic expecting to really dislike it, but by the end of the issue, it won me over. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. One thing which I did like about it, which uh, it was, I had to get through it, was this this jokey intro where it says previously, and then it doesn't actually tell you mm. what happens at the start. Um, and then, so it's got it's a two page thing. So the first part is where they show the covers of the previous issues and sort of joke about that they're not going to tell you what happened. And then the next one is where they've gone mm-hmm. too far back in the story, and they show you each of the six main characters from a point at the start of their origin. So you see, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Major Maple Leaf as an American, f- oh no, sorry, Walter mm-hmm. as an American footballer. Uh, do we call it American footballer or footballer? Um, it depends where you're from. It's your so. podcast. Whatever you want to call it, it's <laughs> <Okay>. fine. <laughs> um, we see, <laughs> we see um, Puck as a baby being kidnapped or rescued by, I'm assuming, a Chinese gangster with a gun. Um, we is see... that who that is? Or is that, Puck? or is that Puck? Is that Puck himself, Eugene? No, because they say that Puck doesn't know that he has a daughter. Uh, or, well... or maybe not. Maybe I've just read that. But, so it, might, no. it might be Puck, but he's got a gun. So Right. And he's wearing a suit and, as well. Well, from his sword and a Fulcher days, he could have been wearing, he could have been doing something like that. True. Um, That's but very he's, true. He's saying it, they, they chop it off mid-sentence in, intentionally yeah. to say like, wait, wait, we're not, we're, we don't want to give away all about their origin right here, which yeah. is just also to play with us readers to say like, you're not going to give us all the details that we really would like to know so we don't feel lost. <laughs> yeah, but then <laughs> you're they, just teasing us for later. So for the other characters then, so the other four, they just give us tiny snatches of the backstory of these characters who I presume nobody else knows anything about either um, and so you get a black and white chewed up photo of sort of a glassy eyed uh, socialite lady 
which I'm assuming mm-hmm. is Nemesis. Yes. You see the non-Conan, mm-hmm. who's got a sword in his chest, as far as I can tell, <laughs> and is looking very sad. Uh, and then we get Centennial as a Chicago cop with a mm-hmm. Tommy gun, uh, and then Major Maple Leaf mm-hmm. uh, hanging on yep. to a flying horse. Um, and I like the fact that they just drop these clues in. They don't give you anything except these images to go from. Uh, and I really, once I'd got past being cheated out of knowing what was going on, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I get, what what was bothering me with it was, though, that bothered me was was I wasn't sure if some of these things were already details that they had talked about in the previous issues, and thus we were kind of being left high and dry if you drop if you pick this up as your first issue. But now that you say that, I I I do what you're, I do see what you're getting at is that they. We haven't really gotten the whole backstory on, on most of the characters, so they're like leading the mystery on a little bit more. Yeah, and that's that's fine because you know that's part of the discovery of the characters. That's great. Can I also say that that uh, his flying horse Thunder? I, I like the fact that th- that Thunder does not have wings. <laughs> yeah. Usually, flying horse is going to have the Pegasus wings going on, and instead, Thunder. Nope, he's just a big white stallion, no wings, and he just flies. Yes. And there's the point when when uh, Maple Leaf and um, heir of a, of a nation, I guess the only other thing, the hint we've gotten of our <laughs> non-Conan characters, an heir of a nation. So Maple Leaf and the heir are climbing down to that one Plodex base, and they have to use a ladder? Thunder won't land? I, what? Yeah. I, 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 I just took it as funny. I did not get a. I was not gonna. I'm not gonna overthink it. It's just funny. Yeah. Sorry, I've I've just um, found out. That, so that character is called Yukon, Y O K O N. But we don't know anything about him. So, uh, yeah, he's a mystery. Oh my. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I'll agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> never. Never heard of him before. No. Uh, okay. Uh, what um, well, was there other things about this book? Sorry, mm-hmm. go, go on. Sure. Uh, other things I, I did kind of dig about the book is um, also um, the anchor, Mark Morales. I mean, I've seen him do a lot of other things since here, um, and I, I think his I think he works really well. He he lets the the original artist kind of shine through in this one, so I think he did he did a good job on that. Yeah. Um, and from the characters, um, I, you know, Nemesis is an interesting character to include, and I've always thought that she had a great costume. You know, she has yeah. a great look. Um, in fact, her mask, when I was thinking about it, reminds me of Matt Wagner's Grendel character, yeah. Yeah. Um, almost more than anything else. It obviously has some Spider-Man influence, the big eyes, but it looks almost more like Grendel. And I, that one, I, that I did look up because that was from before this issue was published. Um, of when Gren, when Grendel started, it was like 1983-ish. Maybe he had some single, some things in like Dark Horse Presents printed before then in '82, mm-hmm. maybe or Comico specials before then. Yeah. Um, but then he was 1983, and Burns first. Uh, appearance for Nemesis was uh, number eight of volume one, which was 1984. Yeah. So, you know, Byrne might have been inspired by Grendel. Maybe. 
Because there is a, some other similarities between their gothic sort of look, um, and they both have bladed weapons. Um, and obviously, there's also plenty of mystery in both characters. Even though we learn a little bit more about Grendel as he goes, there's there's still just a sinisterness about the character all along, which you know that seems like Nemesis as well. Yeah. So that was pretty. I uh, that, I want. I just kind of wonder about that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like the character Nemesis. So I think the the first iteration that we meet in number eight, she dies, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. After she, uh, oh no, Puck kills Deadly Earnest, and then Nemesis dies. Is that right? Am I remembering that right? That's what I remember. That's yeah. what I remember. That yes, Puck had to Puck had to use her weapon, um, and then. She like lost her life force and just you know that's right crumbled to dust. So this is either the second and then, or third nemesis then, mm-hmm. who's some sort of like yeah that was one thing where my own drop off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Okay. The the second one I saw, but I did not I did not catch on that she was actually a second one at the time. I didn't find out enough about her past for it. Um, so I wasn't sure if she was a, if she was a new one or if she was the original one resurrected. Wasn't quite sure. Um. Yeah. Um, I think from what Rob said, I think there's definitely three, um, but I can't mm-hmm. remember the details. Um, I'm sure. Hopefully, he'll be able mm-hmm. to fill it fill them in. Uh, okay. Uh, Cool. Uh, 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 sorry, another character that I liked <laughs> more than I thought I would, and it's because of the amount of backstory that we do get. So where we see Major what? Maple Leaf, um, and it's a little mm-hmm. three-page flashback where we find about his relationship with both his uh, his brother and also his father, and that is a, it's a sad story. Mm-hmm. It's it's not nice. But um, as we as that oh um, no um, as that goes ahead, we also see the narration is him telling a different version of the story, wherein his father was a great man and they all got on really well, um, and then he spends the rest of the comic as sort of this cheerful, happy-go-lucky um, sort of jock character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I liked having that secret again. It's sort of a secret depth to the character, which you wouldn't be aware of, and you wouldn't mm-hmm. if you forget about that flashback. Then you're not aware of it because there's no other reference. Um, and I quite like that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that I was. That's a. It's a very interesting contrast for this character. I do like the overall um, tone of a character who's been through a lot, but. What he does, on, but instead of using instead of that tragedy turning him into the grim and gritty, uh, dark character who's all business um, and just wants to you know punch and beat him up or whatever, mm. he's he's chosen to be a happier character and yeah. to and to be positive. I, I I do identify with that. I think most people have had some you know hardship in their lives and they can identify with someone who. Doesn't want to wallow in it. They become they become uh, a positive force instead. Uh, I do like that. I do admit that the one thing that kind of bothered me with the with re- the reveal of his past with his actual father. Mm-hmm. I love the scenes with his brother. I thought that was those were great. Yeah. Um, but learning about his father, what 
that struck me there is that I've seen that kind of thing done by Scott Lobdell other times with the okay. X-Men as this overly dramatic, super dark thing, super dark history for the characters. Yeah. And it just, it, it did not, it did not sit well. It okay. almost seems exploitive or like, I want to make I want to make you identify with my characters, so I'm going to do something really, really terrible, so you feel sorry for them. No, I, At, I can, that almost I manipulative from level the, yeah. of a, of empathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't I, I like where it ended up, but I don't necessarily like the delivery of what happened in his past. Mm. I thought it was a little extreme. But then this is, you know, post-90s, so what was I thinking? (laughs) Uh, No, and I think that's a fair comment, actually. And and certainly the first time I read this, um, I I wasn't that keen on it. Um, It's just on reflection that Mm -hmm. um, it sat a little bit easier. So um, turning the pages, we come to Puck. So this Mm -hmm. is the new Puck, uh, teenage girl Puck. If you didn't yep. know it was 2004 already, her trousers are a massive flare that says, uh, literally and figuratively, <laughs> that says this is 2004. Uh, that was exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking looking at her. She has, to wear the, she has to wear the sports bra plus the oversized cargo pants, which show just a little bit of her underwear. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like... <laughs> This is this is definitely a a dated character. Uh, yeah. It it does show the downside of not using a costume. Costumes yes. can be timeless, but contemporary clothing does go out of fashion eventually. So, yeah, although uh, puck. there's a line later on that says that um, her her clothes are made from unstable molecules. Um, so this is her costume, apparently. Oh, that's right. He did. That was what. That is what they said. Yeah, I so, forgot about that. Yeah, she's just then, the so most okay, early so 2000s. she chose. Yeah, she chose to have her unstable molecules just look like or regular clothes for the day. Uh, yeah. Normally, that would be interesting. Because I, I, although I do, I, we do know that we do know that the Fantastic Four indulges in everyday wear that's unstable molecules. Otherwise, Johnny Storm would <laughs> would burn through outfits every issue. Yeah. Um, so there's not too much of a surprise, but wow, there's <laughs> there's a lot there that makes me go. That's what you made. You made unstable molecules into fingerless gloves. Ah, yeah. <laughs> well, she's going to go straight from. Um, That's practical. She's going to go straight from this rescue mission into a Papa Roach concert. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, yeah. So I think the character is okay. We don't see very much of her, but the, the character is all right. I think. Yes, absolutely. I although it will be good to get a better it would be good to have a better handle on what her abilities are because aside from being called Puck, there's nothing puckish about her. We we yeah. don't know if she's a fighter, we don't know if she's an acrobatic uh and, you know, and then the thing with the original Puck was just that since he was so small, he could do the uh super fast cartwheeling 
sing very effectively yeah. um, to make that momentum for his, for his big strikes. And it's like, does she do that? Is because that doesn't. We otherwise, know, she's not much of a puck. <laughs> we know That's from where he gets dialogue. The name from. <laughs> we know from dialogue that she's got some sort of power because in a thought bubble, she says that she uh, hadn't known that she had powers before she was born. Uh, and that she could speak to her mother th- through the womb. That's true. Um, so she's got. We, yeah, we just don't know what that is yet. Mhm. What um, kind of conversations would those be? <sighs> that would be like turn on the lights. I don't. It's a little damp in here. I. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've read too much body horror to worry too much about that. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, maybe the maybe the less thought about that, the better. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, was there anything about this that you weren't particularly keen on? Uh, well, um, I, I already get, did go a little bit into what I thought about um, Major Maple Leaf's past, but yeah, yeah. That, we, we will we don't need to revisit that. Um, and I I. I'm still quite annoyed at them not giving us a little bit more about the characters themselves. Mm-hmm. Aside from Princeton, we did learn more about him, but it would have been nice to hear a little more about the other characters, except for Nemesis. I don't expect to learn more about her. She's yeah. just a walking enigma. That's part of the what the character is for. She's there to be mysterious, so that's okay. But I really wanted to get a little bit more concrete on some of the other characters, especially our, our, our barbarian. I just still do not get his deal. Um, Yukon. And, yeah, right. Yukon. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that, tell, that's, that's so, that tells, that answers everything right there, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, my. Um, uh, and, uh, well, I will, I, one thing that I thought was interesting, I don't know if I really disliked it, it's kind of interesting, was... Sasquatch's portrayal in this issue, which we haven't talked too much yet. No, we haven't. Um, no, his dialogue was. I mean, yeah, his dialogue reminded me a lot of how Hank McCoy, the Beast, was being portrayed in this era, also, where he was becoming much more of a talking in scientific jargon and using uh, ten-dollar words every chance he got, which is not really the way that usually Walter's been portrayed. He's usually much more down to earth and the happy, jovial character, but here he was. Very more serious and just talking over people's heads as as much as he could, which kind of just was different for him. I did not did not expect to yeah. see that. No, uh, and kind of made me wonder if this was a trend because back when he was created, um, the Hank McCoy Beast was also was also more of the jovial, jokey, oh my stars and garters character. Mm. And Walter Lankowski was also much more jovial. So, and now they've both kind of changed at the same time. Uh, is is Sasquatch really an, an orange, bigger version of the Beast? Is that what he's been all along? Yeah, and that's the that's the same thought I had. Is that he's just a taller? He doesn't jump about and hang upside down as much as the Beast, but otherwise the characters are doing the same job. mm Hmm. Um, yep. So yeah. 
Um, what else would I think? The only, the only thing I was thinking about that I don't didn't like about this issue is just that nothing really happened. We did nothing happened. We just they were just going all around doing their searching, and the end result is that they all ended up in the same place and yes. haven't found anything meaningful of their own. It's like, yeah, uh, I, I know but, what this is. It feels like it's the middle. It's the six story arc, and they <laughs> didn't quite have enough material for six issues. Yeah. So, lucky issue number four got the got the got shafted. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah. No, I can. Yeah, I do see where you're coming from. Um, it's part of that uh, decompression of comics, um, and it's certainly worse in comics I've read mm-hmm. recently, um, where not a lot happens. Um, mm-hmm. What I did like about it was the pacing of it. So, um, the char- each pair got mm. the same number of uh, pa- pages um, split up in a rhythm, that so that when you get to those last two pages where they're all they've got their three panels per pair, and then they go into that uh, mm-hmm. upside downy room place, it feels like the creators have put time into getting that rhythm right, and maybe it's, it's mm-hmm. not maybe the best use of. But no, wait, hang on. What's the way I want to put this? It's a, it's not the most compact use of this story, and it's not the most value. I think if I'd paid, was it three dollars for this or three quid at the time, I would have felt like I didn't get enough of my money. Mm-hmm. But as an exercise in comics and pacing, it felt it felt pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I agree completely with that point. That's a very good point. Is that they you don't feel it doesn't feel rushed or like any character got short shrift in terms of uh screen time. Um it felt it was very fair to all the characters in that regard. So I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you're saying is the the decompression going on is that you almost have to expect it depending upon how long the the arc is um some issue is going to be the pe- the filler. Yeah, it's just it's just how it seems to be. Um, but then you also remember rem- if you when we when we remind ourselves that in a way they're kind of writing these to be read as a unit. Yeah. That is part of the point. Is that it's okay to have a it's 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 okay to have the car chase in the movie to pad the to pad the movie. That's what they're doing. And so, so yeah, it's going to happen here. And but um, yeah. So I, I when I remember when I was when I was keeping that in mind, I was a little bit more lenient on what happened in the story. I still would say nothing happened, but <laughs> <laughs> at least they, at least nothing happened in a fairly interesting way. Yeah. So the other thing that I, it took me a little while to get used to was the, that sort of the jovial tone. It's quite, it's very jokey. Mm. Uh, it's not as uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink as comics can sometimes be. There is a line about how crazy mm-hmm. things are. Uh, we didn't expect to wake up and be flying over the North Pole carrying a woman carrying a sword. Isn't that strange? There was there was that line in there. Um, but mm-hmm. I think once I'd sort of got over myself a little bit and appreciate that this isn't the old Alpha Flight, this is something new, um, I was a, a sort of a bit easier with it, to be honest. Yep, I agree completely. That might be part of what eventually softened me on the comic. I was, I was pretty, 
I was I was getting pretty negative about this comic at first. I was, and I don't like being negative. I really yeah. don't. But I was starting to get a little bit more negative and feeling the uh, the the snarkiness come out about my thoughts on it. Um, but you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the old Justice League International series. If you um, and in fact, you know, Shag Matthews podcast on Justice League International, the JLI Bwahaha podcast was the podcast that got starting to listen to comic book podcasts. Right. I hadn't really thought about that there would be podcasts about comic books from that from that era of my of my most most of my collecting happened. Um but I heard about it on Twitter and that got me and I gave it a try and it's like now I'm listening to more podcasts than I have time for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So it's a how did I how did I get here? That's how I got here. So it's it's all Shag Matthew's fault. For those of you who are wondering why I'm filling up your email and your uh ho- your your server hosting with comments, it's his fault. Just so you know. <laughs> well, blame Shag. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, okay. And one more thing that I wanted to comment on, uh, and then we should probably start wrapping up is the fact that they used uh, and you mentioned it before one of the entrances to the secret Plodex spaceship was a dance dance revolution machine <laughs> oh that that is um, one of my loves in, in this issue <laughs> the, the picture of, of Sasquatch dancing on it and where I, I I've decided to start calling it Riverdance Science Sasquatch because he's <laughs> got his upper half in deep thought, holding his chin, and his lower f- legs are just going everywhere. You yeah. like see four feet; they're going so fast, and I just I just think that's a riot. Yeah, uh, and again, it's one of those things which, when I first saw it, I was borderline angry about because I thought there's no respect to the character, but. It's just a fun thing, isn't it? It's just <laughs> something fun to put in the comic. Absolutely. That's where I was. Yeah, that's where I was also leading with the the JLI sort of parallels that we have some interesting takes on the characters. It's more about the characters than about the action um, and their in, and their interactions and just them just talking to each other. You know, they're not friends yet, yeah. but they are having the the banter. Of of people who are just uh, you know make it not not going to let each other get away with anything, you yeah. know the, the the teasing and the fun is going on there. So, and of course Puck of all things Puck the young teenage girl has to come in and f- and tell Sasquatch get off the dance machine. We need to be searching for the team. Yeah. Um. Yes, she yeah, she takes a sort of the grown up role. She comes across as more of ready to be a leader than any of the other characters actually mm-hmm. yep, I can see that yeah uh, okay so I think uh, we're just about at time um, is there anything else that you wanted to okay. mention just before we go um, about the comic I don't I don't think so okay um, it was just a fun little read it, and I I will have to read the other issues, just because <laughs> that's how I'm wired. I yeah. can't you know 
not not know how a story ends. I haven't read it yet because I wanted to not not get spoiled on what is going to come later. I kind of wanted to you know address the comic on its own for the podcast, but I have to read the other issues. And thank goodness for Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've I wasn't looking forward to reading the rest of this volume, but um, I've sort of been won over now. So I'll, I'll go in with a bit of a uh, a more open mind. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, well, yeah, I think we'll we'll close it off now. Um, thank you so much for coming on. It's been. A, a genuine pleasure to have you. Um, if anybody would like to find you on the internet or if you've got anything to plug, please go ahead. Certainly. Um, if you want to find me on the internet, the best place is Twitter. You can find me at TimPrice17, or as Paul Hicks calls me, the price of Tim is 17. I, I don't know how that works. Um, you, you might be able to find me on Facebook. I can't imagine there's too many Tim Prices on Facebook. Not I, that probably just a few. Um, and if, and but other than that, I don't really have anything to plug or or things like that. I I just listen to podcasts. But if you want to hear more of my feedback to shows, um, several shows have been re- have read my letters, and and unfortunately for them, they've found the time to do it. Uh, <laughs> I listen to lots of shows on the Fire Water Podcast Network, especially JLI Wahaha. That's my favorite one. Um, but I also um, have have uh, listened to Oh Hot Moo or Not. Tough Like a Girl, JLU Cast, First Strike Invasion, love all those shows. Um, the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. I actually do have something to plug. What was I thinking? Um, the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, um, which is exploring the history of all the series named Secret Wars produced by Marvel Comics. Um, they're in Secret Wars 2, Heaven Help Them. Uh, I actually will be a guest on the show eventually. Um, it's only been only started to get arranged recently, um, so it'll be a ways off. They've got the the, the show booked for quite a while, um, yeah. but I will be showing up on that eventually. So keep an eye out on Twitter, and you'll find out when. Um, cool. I also have a couple other podcasts where I don't know why they agreed to let me on. I mean, you <laughs> took you took pity on me. I mean, and you sent me this free comic, which was awesome of you. So I, but I, oh that... no, it, it wasn't pity. I, it was just. Um, <laughs> I'd been carrying it around in my bag and uh, I needed to send it to somebody and you just happened to be the person that showed any interest and then I sort of bullied you into letting me send it to you. So, <laughs> oh, that, was a, that was a fun little conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to leave my house getting ready for work and there you are saying, does anybody want this comic? <laughs> and I was like, um, maybe. <laughs> and then, then you shipped it overseas. Uh, you, you, you know, just so you all, all you who are listening to the show, yes, he shipped a comic overseas. Yeah, you know, it's surprisingly very, expensive, but <laughs> that's not <yeah>. your fault. <laughs> exactly. So you know, uh, I, I, I presume I'll have to be, I'm have to uh, uh, reimburse you somewhere along the way. So um, uh, and unfortunately, you don't know my home address, so that's a problem. <laughs> I'll be moving. I'll be moving soon, just so you know. Oh no, GDPR means that I've had to delete it. <laughs> Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, if anybody wants to find me, uh, I'm Gareth A. Hopkins on Twitter. I am G-R-T-H-I-N-K Gerthink. Um, that's also my website. My email address, if you want to email me, is gareth at gerthink.com. Um, and, yeah, in terms of stuff that I've got, so um, I've just finished 
um, a four-page strip which is going to go into Douglas Noble's Jazz Creepers anthology. I'm also working on a couple more anthology things. My own comics, um, Petricor, I mentioned a couple of times, will be out next year, which is an abstract uh, autobiographical comic. And I'm also working on an abstract comic about the Enfield poltergeist. So, yeah, I'm quite busy with stuff like that and the podcast. And, and, so, and if anybody wanted to buy your comics, where would they be looking for them? That would be uh, gerfink.bigcartel.com. But I need to sort out my shop because um, I've got prints and stuff which just aren't going. So I'll put I'll put some more zines on there instead. Um, oh, and also I've got a special offer. I don't, by the time this comes out from recording, will be a week and a bit. But um, I've got a special offer on Intercoastal Six Eight Three, which is my first proper comic, because you can get that and the um, it's sort of sister comic tropical party mode and a postcard it's normally four pound but i've put it up to five pound hoping that the perceived extra value will encourage sales um well yeah so you can go to gothing.bigcartel.com to have a look there but um yes i'm always the least comfortable part of this podcast is uh telling people where to buy things so oh no that down as well you need to get over that you need to (laughs) Plug the merch. You need to plug the merch. Uh, maybe I'll do T-shirts or something. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> that I... Um, yeah. Um, I think that's it for for the moment, though. So uh, thank you very much, Tim, again. And I hope everyone will join me again on another episode of... Goodbye. Bye. Bye.